0: Welcome to Craft Design Edit Sleep Repeat. I'm your host, Lisa Conway. Welcome to my world where we try to understand the business of knit and crochet design. Good morning, good afternoon, good day, wherever you are. Uh, Welcome back to Craft Design Edit Sleep Repeat. Today we have some really big news. I'm super excited to say welcome to the podcast, Nikki.
1: Hi, thank you for having me again, and um, and I'm very excited that this is going to become a regular thing. Yeah,
0: me too. It's it's nice to have a, another set of of chops, you know, <laughs> way instead of just me. <laughs> I do find it's a lot more fun to listen when there's more than one person talking.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) So this is great. Plus, Nikki's going to be bringing uh, a lot of new fresh ideas. Um, We have been chatting, and we really want to get our Facebook and Ravelry groups chatting. Mm -hmm. And so, Nikki, talk about some of your ideas for that.
1: Yeah, well, we had been talking recently about having a place for tech editors and designers to come and talk to other like-minded people and ask their questions and get support and build some community. And that's what I'm hoping that we can create in that, in the Craft Design Edit Sleep Repeat groups.
0: That's kind of been my goal all along. Uh, In order to help facilitate this, we've been chatting about coming up with some ideas to like maybe once a week or twice a week, post a question or make some, you know, post some sort of idea that will help generate the the chat and help you guys get to know each other and us and facilitate that communication because without the communication we're not really supporting each other and we really want to be there to support so Nikki kind of started it out with a little poll I thought that was rather cute (laughs) and it was nice to see the answers it was it was really fun so we will be probably doing more of that as things move forward and we get kind of settled in here Um, it's just past spring break For those of you who are in the northern, northern Americas, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And so now we're getting back to work and we're going to buckle down and we're going to spend some time and get some ideas going. So if you have ideas, feel free to post them in either of those groups and get people talking to you and share with us because that's what we would love to hear.
1: And if you have ideas for things that you'd love us to do a deep dive into on the podcast, that's another great place to bring those questions.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, and if you don't feel like you can post it publicly yourself, don't ever hesitate to send an email to the knitdesignedit at gmail.com. That's a good place if you, if you want to just stick an idea or question out there Uh, and just kind of reach out to us personally, and then we can share it with the group. We can open it up for discussion, or we can put it into the podcast and take that deep dive. So, yay, Nikki! (laughs) (laughs) Nikki and I have actually been working together for over a year now. It doesn't seem that long because of how much time I took off last year with my medical issues, but um, Nikki is my tech editor, and I help Nikki with her tech editing and we work together on grading uh, when one of us does a grading job the other one puts a second pair of eyes on those numbers to double check them so yeah we've so, been working so for a while.
1: grateful <laughs> oh
0: you and me both you and me both uh recently I I designed a pattern for a class I'm teaching and. It's amazing how many things you miss when you're doing it yourself. Mm -hmm. It just is. The number of things you got on the pattern and the handout just was like, yeah. How did I manage to put in the wrong picture?
1: Even tech editors need tech editors.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we've been working together for a while. We know each other pretty well. And we're hoping you guys get to know us even better now that we move forward. Well, now that we've covered that little bit of news, Nikki is also back to talk about pattern accessibility. Nikki has taken a course in accessibility, and she helps her clients make sure that her patterns, their patterns are ready for the accessibility issues. And so we're going to learn more about that today. And so let's get into it. So Nikki, who needs accessible patterns?
1: Well, um, a pattern is a set of written instructions. So, when we're talking about accessibility and patterns, we're mostly talking about removing barriers for people who have print challenges. A print challenge could be a physical or cognitive consideration that makes it difficult or impossible for this person to use some or all types of written or printed information. So, that could be visual impairments like blindness, color blindness could mean dyslexia. Um, When we're talking about digital patterns, it could be light sensitivity, it could be physical disabilities affecting their um, computer use. Um, So it can cover a broad range of of different people with different needs. And uh, you might remember a few years ago, Ravelry made some changes to their website. That made it inaccessible to a number of people who were experiencing serious health problems due to light sensitivity from the way that the new website was flashing. So removing barriers can be not just within the pattern document, but also where the pattern is available.
0: Okay. this. It generates a question in my head because one of the things I didn't quite understand was what it was about Ravelry's design change that caused the problem and you just touched on that so it's the way the colors flash or what what about the design is it that causes this as far as you know
1: yeah it I am not an expert you know I'm not I'm not a graphic designer or a web web designer or anything like that um but my understanding was that there was something about changes to the user interface um possibly with animations or just the way that things move on the screen um i don't even think that ravelry ever got a full understanding of what was happening either um but certainly uh the people who are experiencing the problem um, were having genuine health problems when they looked at this website for whatever the reason was, um, and I don't know whether a real a real answer was ever found. Um, okay.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of those discussions that comes up from time to time, because you and I both know Tiffany is one of those users that ended up getting migraines from the change. And Mm -hmm. so we know it's very real. It's just, there's never been an answer as to exactly what it was that caused the problem.
1: Yeah. And at the time Ravelry's response was sort of to say that it wasn't real, that, that these health problems were not really being caused by the website and um, And I personally don't feel that that was the right way to handle it. Um, But they did make, they did make some changes. They did offer alternative ways of looking at the website. um, They did that for a while. Unfortunately, uh, they
0: removed those. And that's what I didn't, you know, I, I get what they probably had to do. The, the classic version was on probably old hardware, and that hardware was probably getting ready to expire. H- having a husband in that field, I get that there can be real challenges in maintaining those things from a financial perspective and from a reality perspective from, you know, how it's housed, what kind of software it's housed on, that sort of thing, so that may have been the issue. But it's it's sad that they couldn't find a way to maintain that classic view for those who needed it. It, it was kind of sad. Yeah, and um, we've got we've gone down I, a rabbit hole. I, I apologize for that. It's I just do, I,
1: that comes up. Yeah, no, and it, and, and I think that apart from it being unusable for some people, it also really soured a lot of people to, you know, the, the response was such that a lot of people just didn't want to use Ravelry anymore on principle. You know, right. if, you're, if you're calling these people who are having these health problems because of your product liars, you know i i want to support those people and i want to stop supporting this website potentially and and go somewhere else so um that um that sort of led a lot of people to start trying to look for alternatives
0: right and we'll talk about some of those alt- alternatives as we go go along but let's let's move forward i sorry i, I sidetracked us guys <laughs> um so what made you think of adding accessibility consulting to your list of editing expertise?
1: Well, it was around that time that that people started talking a lot more about accessibility, and that was what put it on my radar. Um, I, at that time, connected with Renee Van Hoy, who was one of those people who was looking for an alternative. Um, she's a loom knitting designer who has a visual impairment, and she wanted to create a website specifically for people with print challenges that would be easy for them to navigate, and where they would be able to find patterns that were forming formatted for people with print challenges. Um, So I offered to help her build this website. um, And uh, it's called the accessible patterns index, it's still around. And it's really neat, because um, it's specifically built for people with with blindness and other print challenges. So it looks quite different from a typical website. I didn't realize you were involved in that project. Oh,
0: how mm-hmm. fascinating.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so wonderful. I learned so much from Renee in addition to working on the website with her. I also took her course, um, on, uh, on how to write accessible patterns, and I highly, highly recommend the course. It's really affordable, it's very actionable, and it's available on Etsy. We'll have the link in the in the uh, show notes.
0: Yes, yes, we will. Well, I, I think that's wonderful. Um, I didn't realize your involvement in that website because it is a website that I have sent some people to who I knew were having problems with... Um, accessibility issues. So yeah, that's that's great. So let's start talking about actual patterns and what are the primary considerations when you're making an, a pattern accessible?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, like I touched on at the beginning, the goal is to remove barriers. So if you take a critical look at everything that's in the formatting and graphic design of the pattern and ask yourself if this could be a barrier for someone Um, For example, are you using a really lightweight, curly, calligraphy type font? Could that be difficult for people with low vision to read or people with dyslexia to read? Could that be replaced with something that is more more legible? Um, Does part of the pattern rely on only a chart or only a photo? How will somebody who uses a screen reader access the information in that chart or in that photo? Um, so just going through like that, and um, and like I said, Renee's course has um, a list of very simple formatting changes that you can make um, that will reduce barriers for quite a number of people. But the the key takeaway is sort of that if there's more than one way to access each piece of information, that will reduce barriers for a lot of people.
0: Mentioning screen readers. Our abbreviations are oftentimes a barrier for those, aren't they?
1: Hmm. Yeah, because they'll literally just read it, and it. Um, I had a funny example that I posted on Instagram a while back, where the abbreviation "st" for stitch is read as "street," because in any other realm, "st" is short for street, not stitch. Yes. Uh, Mm-hmm.
0: that's a really good, a good example of just how. And I know that even your chart and the way your chart is formatted can be a barrier for some forms of dyslexia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I know a designer who has a completely different chart format in her patterns because she herself is dyslexic. And she couldn't read traditional charts. So she came up with a method that worked for her. And as a result, it works for different forms of dyslexia that our standard charting doesn't necessarily work for. I know creating unique charts for every pattern is not really possible necessarily but it is something to consider that at least have an alternative method of following those directions
1: mm-hmm. the other and thing is
0: color charts
1: I was just you get so many
0: designers say well but it's just colors and and do i really want to ra- write out knit five color a knit six color b knit five color a knit six color c well if you're talking to someone who's colorblind or you're talking to someone who is using a a screen reader, they can't read those charts. So including those written out instructions can be very important to those people.
1: Absolutely. And if you're using Stitch Mastery software to make your charts, um, it will generate the written instructions for you so that you know, there's no excuse. It's very simple to do. Um, It is.
0: Um, I will mention here that while Stitch Mastery does a great job of creating those written instructions, do read through them very carefully because Mm -hmm. repeats can be misread and formatting so that it matches the rest of your pattern is not necessarily going to be accurate. So you want to make sure that it matches you know if you're using parentheses for your repeats that it uses parentheses for your for the repeats as well things like that or if you're using brackets make sure you change the parentheses to brackets things like that so don't forget to still read through those instructions and as a tech editor that's one of the things I we do is is make sure that the chart and the written instructions match so
1: Okay, so and one more thing to add on that, if you're wanting to create written instructions in Stitch Mastery for a color work chart, it's not a default, but it is possible. It's a little bit tricky to find the um, the setting to do that, but it is there, and I think you can probably look on Stitch Mastery's blog. To find out how to do that, if you're, if you're, stuck. or they have some
0: really fantastic videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I refer back to the videos a lot because I'm, of course, still pretty much a newbie using it, and those videos are very well put together. And she deep dives into settings that in are in the preferences and settings that are in the. The chart layout section, you know, if you actually go into the editing features, things that you can do that really make Stitch Mastery a fabulous, fabulous piece of software to use. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's got a ton of functionality. It's just not always simple to find these things. And if you don't know where to look, it can be tricky. So, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Those videos well, are great. And-
0: one of the reasons for that seems to be the fact that they took a piece of software that already existed and altered it to do this knitting thing oh. and if you if you listen to her videos it, one of her introductory vid- videos talks about why certain things are in the preferences that um, really don't make sense in this context but they haven't figured out a way to to take it out because if they take it out, it, it you lose the functionality. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting video. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so are there different types of accommodations for different groups of accessibility challenges?
1: There are, but the principles are the same and there is a lot of overlap. The Principles being looking for barriers and removing them. Um, But the Accessible Patterns Group on Ravelry and also Renee's course have done an excellent job of kind of distilling down a simple list of guidelines that will make patterns more usable for a number of groups, including low vision, screen reader users, color blindness and dyslexia. So you can just, you know, follow those guidelines. And if you do that, it will result in a document that will be accessible to users with a variety of challenges.
0: Having not actually read this information or, or taken Renee's course yet, it is on my list for this year, um, I have a question. I actually have a child who is dyslexic, but her dyslexia is not the standard um, mixing up of the letters and turning things backwards. It relates more to how her brain connects to her hand and things are written but it does affect how she understands right and left back and front right and left tends to provide more of an issue than back and front but I noticed as she was trying to learn to read patterns that it was a challenge for her from that standpoint Is there anything you can think of in what you've learned and what you've been doing that helps with, because we talk about the right needle, the left needle, is there any way you can think of to adjust the wording for someone that's got that kind of an issue?
1: Well, I personally try my best not to refer to the left needle and right needle in most situations when I'm writing a pattern myself. Because I'm left-handed, and I do knit right-handed, but some people knit left-handed. I crochet left-handed, so I really try to write patterns in such a way that it doesn't matter which direction you're working. Um, That makes sense. So would it
0: be um, like working needle versus... I don't know what, what the other needle, the one that's just holding the stitches that you're working off of versus the needle you're working on too. How would you mm-hmm. word that difference? I'm just trying to come up with a specific example of how we could change that.
1: Yeah, that's, um, and I wish I had, I wish I had thought, uh, I, I, I wish I had, we'll have to put our, we'll have to come oh, back sorry. to that.
0: I threw Nikki with this question. Because it didn't occur to me until we started talking. You know, that's it. You you come up with this list of questions, but you know they're not, not they're not complete. That there's going to be something that said that that you end up digging deeper into. Anyway, yeah. we'll work on that.
1: I, off off the cuff, I f- I think that most of the time when I'm referring to left needle and right needle, it's when describing a stitch, such as, you know, describing an increase or decrease and, and things like that. And quite often, um, you can include a video link as a supplemental way of, of um, giving the person information on how to do that particular stitch, and things like that. I don't think I refer to the right needle and left needle within the written pattern too much.
0: Yeah, it's usually just like for, for example, when describing an SSK, mm-hmm. you know, you're slipping from the left needle to the right needle. And I think maybe if you're slipping to the working needle and just don't even refer to the left needle at all. Yeah. That might be a, a good alternative. It's, it's kind of funny. It occurs to me only because when... I'm the passenger in the car, which I have been for the last nine months. And she's driving. I can't say, okay, turn left here. I have to say, okay, you're going to turn in your direction at this next light. Yeah. Right? Because left means nothing to her brain. And while she can sometimes get there if she's got enough time to think about it if you're coming up on that intersection and you want her to turn in that direction you have to give her a more specific direction and so I've gotten used to turn your way turn my way Mm -hmm. instead of turn left turn right and so it occurs to me that when we refer to things in terms of which side the the left side the right side that that could be a barrier for someone that I had not really even thought about, even though it exists in my own life.
1: Mm-hmm. And in in pattern writing, I recently did a a crochet pattern, and like I said, I crochet differently than a lot of other people. So I was referring to, you know, you're going to work the first shoulder. And for me, that happened to be the left shoulder, but for my testers, it happened to be the right shoulder. So I talked about the first shoulder and then the second shoulder so that those instructions would be clear regardless of which way you're working it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, and
0: and when you mentioned the right left-handedness in terms of how you actually create your stitches, I know I a number of left-handed knitters that know that they construct stitches backwards but they literally have to translate the pattern in their heads in order to accomplish that right
1: because your left leaning decreases and right leaning decreases would they be leaning in the opposite direction <laughs> in some cases i think they do i,
0: I i'm not sure i actually no, knew a left-handed knitter that watching her knit, it was almost like for for me, you know that process of instead of purling the next the next row of stockinette, you leave the the public side facing you and you knit in the opposite direction, mm-hmm. right? And there's a very specific way you can do that. I forgot to turn something off and my things all beeped at me. Sorry about that. I hope it didn't come through. Anyway, um, watching her knit was like watching someone that that knits backwards. Mm -hmm. But for her, that was perfectly normal.
1: Yep, that's how I feel about crochet. When I watch a right-handed person crocheting, I'm like that looks so backwards (laughs) well and I have another friend that wanted me to
0: teach her how to knit and because she's left-handed we really struggled Mm -hmm. even because she could not translate even facing me she couldn't get the movements right and I always wished I could have gotten the two of them together Mm -hmm. it it didn't work anyway (laughs) Uh, so yes different types of people different forms of dyslexia required Mm -hmm. different types of barrier changes.
1: Um, Yeah. And I did some research into dyslexia and there's some good information out there. And um, the main takeaway that I got from the research that I did, being someone who has no personal experience with dyslexia, was um, that heavier fonts where the letters are evenly spaced and leaving a lot of space on the page not crowding things um, are are a couple of ways that you can improve readability for people with dyslexia Um, but also more visual instructions you know you could use videos as a supplement Um, Making it, you know, potentially making it screen reader accessible so that someone could listen to the pattern rather than reading could be another way of giving additional information in a different format.
0: Okay, that's that's interesting. Um we've already touched on this a little bit, but what is your knowledge of making accommodations for when you create charts? What information have you learned over these last few years that makes charts more accessible?
1: Um, Make them high contrast. Because again, when we go back to colorblindness, if there are two colors that are similar in darkness, they may not be distinguishable to someone who is colorblind. What you can do to check the contrast level of your chart is just do like print preview and you can select to see it in grayscale and see whether those two colors that you're using are still distinguishable another thing you could do is use symbols instead of different colors Um, i've seen some charts that that use symbols to to represent colors instead of using different colors to represent colors Um, And of course, like we said, um, giving a written written version of the charted instructions. Okay,
0: I hadn't thought about the, the color blindness aspect of it as much. So that's, that's a really good tip. Are there special selling or marketing things designers need to address when making accessible patterns?
1: Yes. Um on if you're selling on Ravelry or anywhere really online, you should include an accessibility statement on the pattern page that lets people know what formatting changes have been made so they'll be able to tell even before they purchase the pattern whether it's something that they'll be able to use. So it can be really really simple statement. Um mine says this pattern comes with a screen reader/large print format. 24 point black aerial text on a white background, no italics, no columns, photos have captions, no abbreviations, and I have listened to it with read out loud software for clarity. Um, and so that kind of covers everything that I've done to, uh, to make sure that this is gonna be accessible for people who use screen readers people who are low vision and need large font in order to read it and um, and to let people know that that uh, anything that's actually it's missing from my statement here but but that the charts are are fully written instructed have fully written instructions included. Okay so do you sell two
0: different formats of the pattern or how how do you handle the process of making sure they get the format that they need
1: yeah most online marketplaces uh, allow you to upload more than one pattern file so I have kind of a standard standard format that's a pdf with pictures with charts and everything and then I also include one that is like I said 24 point black aerial on a white background no no columns you know and and so that's kind of, I just call it my LVA, my low, low vision accessible format. And um, on Ravelry, I think on Etsy as well, on PayHip, all of those places, it's no problem to just upload more than one file. So everyone who buys my pattern gets both. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And speaking of which, you
0: mentioned Etsy and PayHip. What have you found are the best alternatives to Ravelry in terms of offering accessible patterns?
1: Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. The uh, What we learned um, when I was working with Renee was that the National Federation for the Blind considers Etsy to be a screen reader accessible sales platform. So that is a good place to consider selling your patterns if you want to make them more accessible. Um, of course, the accessible patterns index that Renee and I built doesn't sell patterns directly from it. We just um, link to pattern pages on other sites because we don't we don't handle payment and that kind of thing. But um, quite a lot of designers there are using Payhip. Um, because we don't have Ravelry links, I don't think it's been a little while since I've been in there. But I think we mostly try to avoid using Ravelry links on the Accessible Patterns Index, because right because of the be accessible issues. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if uh, another another option is on Ravelry, you can make your patterns available for sale in local yarn shops. So potentially that would mean that someone could go to their local yarn shop and purchase the pattern and have it printed out for them and they would get a physical copy that way. Um and if you're selling on your personal website, there are easy ways to make sure that it that your website is accessible and I can put a, a link to that in the in the um, show notes as well. That would be wonderful. Yeah. It- Matter of fact, it would, it would
0: be nice to sit down and kind of go through our, my website with you and see what you see yeah, and and see if there's anything there that, that maybe I, I could do better. My website, my son built, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I I will be honest. He is studying to be a a programmer, a coder, and so one of the courses he has taken, he, he, he is a certified web engineer. He did those college classes before he ever graduated high school. So I, of course, obviously went, Sean, <laughs> I need this. But, of course, he's still fairly new at it and wouldn't have thought of those issues. And so it would be good to take a critical look at it.
1: Yeah, um, well, if he's studying um, web developing, they probably do touch on accessibility because it is becoming more of a standard for all types of businesses. Um, I know in Canada, government and other large employers are required to have an accessible website now, and there is an international standard called WCAG that a lot of larger organizations are required to adhere to. And, um, the, the link that I was talking about that I'll share in the show notes, it um, you can put your URL into it, and it'll scan your website and let you know where it falls on these WCAG standards.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Um, I'll have to do that. The, a question occurred to me just a moment. My, uh, it's early in the morning here, folks. <laughs> four hour time difference between Nikki and I. (laughs) Um, Oh, Payhip. Is Payhip a a standalone website or is it something you connect to your personal website?
1: Both. Um, I use it as a buy button on my personal website But you can actually, it's come a long way since I started using it. They've made some improvements. And you can create a really nice-looking pattern shop on Payhip. It's free to build a shop, and they take a a small percentage when you sell something. So it's more affordable than Etsy. Um, But everything is really customizable. Like, if you want to change your text in your payhip shop to be larger and black and a sans serif type font like ariel you can make those adjustments um so it is a really good option for you know small newbie designers potentially um who need an affordable way to sell their patterns that's an alternative to ravelry that's excellent.
0: That's excellent. Mm-hmm. I I will definitely do a di- a deeper dig because I currently only have actually published the one pattern. Even though you've edited two others, they've never been released.
1: Get on it, Lisa! Come on! It's the world is was... waiting for these patterns. Yes, I know.
0: <laughs> I know. It's it's a, a lovely hat pattern that I've had my testers just did really. Said they had a lot of fun knitting, along with a cowl that um, matches it. So, I'll I'll get them out there. I promise. But I, I wrote them in the throes of the whole medical. And let me tell you, folks, even though they're lightweight narcotics. Being on narcotics changes one's brain. <laughs> and bandwidth has been a real issue for me. So I'll get them out there, but I'm thinking at this point, I might wait until like August of mm-hmm. to release them because in North America. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So maybe by then I will also have pay hip and, and I can, sell my patterns through my website which would be really nice because i've not found a alter an alternative that i was really happy with
1: Mm -hmm. so i have one more point um because we were talking about marketing Uh um and it's on social media because a lot of us designers use social media to spread the word about our patterns and a best practice there is the use of descriptive captions because as you know instagram um, and those sorts of platforms it's mostly video and images um, which may not be accessible to people with with visual impairments Um, so it doesn't have to be anything fancy if you don't know how to do alt text that is fine you can just write a description in the the visible caption of your photo that says this is what the picture is of.
0: I and, know that know. Instagram does, when you actually create your post, have a spot where you can put your alt text.
1: Mm-hmm. It's,
0: and It's right there in the posting process. So if you're reading through and you see where it says alt text, that is text that is read by screen re- readers in place of a photo that tells the Low vision person, what the photo is of?
1: Yeah, it will be read by screen readers, um, but if somebody is using a computer and they're just blowing it up large so that they can read the text on the screen, a caption will work for them too. Right. So, um, so it just it's more information for. Do any you type put of it user. in?
0: Do you put it in both places? just to make sure you're hitting everybody
1: well the a screen reader will read the text that's visible to you and i as well so it kind of would be a duplication um okay. So generally i just make sure that it's somewhere in the caption even if okay. i even if i don't do the alt text that's
0: great that's mm-hmm. that's really good okay And kind of last, um, who should consider making their patterns accessible?
1: Everybody. And (laughs) I'm sure you expected that answer. But let me tell you why. Out of the, you know, what is there, millions of patterns on Ravelry now, I looked at how many are tagged as low vision accessible. I looked today, it's less than 1,500. Oh, wow. Yeah, so potentially you could be putting your pattern into a much smaller pond where it can be used by a number of people and, and get seen by a number of people uh, where it might not be otherwise. So it's I just think it's a great idea to do that. Um, but also, you know, there's, there's really no reason not to. Um, anybody can anybody who can write a pattern can write an accessible pattern it's not rocket science um, and it's not difficult it's just just knowing what to look for and what changes to make um, to make it more useful for more people and this brings me to
0: a very odd question in some ways but very normal question in others when you are turning a pattern into an accessible pattern for your client, about how much time does that take?
1: It depends on the pattern. Um, it, it could take an hour or less if it's just, you know, things like changing the font and replacing some uh, abbreviations with the whole word and things like that. Um, I did work on a pattern that included extensive color work charts like it was it's it's the most amazing pattern it's called between the dragon and his Wrap" by Kathleen Sperling and it's a really really beautiful intricate color work design um, with dragons and castles and I think there were at least 10 charts. So there was a lot to go through for that one, um, and it did take more time. But it, you know, it, it was important to her to make sure that the pattern was going to be accessible. So we did it.
0: I love that. I absolutely love that, that something that extensive, that the designer has taken everyone into consideration that they could possibly try to meet for. I mean, we can't meet the needs of absolutely everybody, but we sure can try. It it doesn't take that much effort to, to, mm-hmm. to think about those who maybe want to, but otherwise can't. Mm-hmm. And if we put ourselves in the mindset of, trying to ma- meet the needs of the the many instead of the few. Don't you think?
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well I am so thrilled to have spent this time and learned more about you and the fact that you were so involved. Um, people do take a look at the accessibility database because it will give you a good idea of just how much more w- work we need to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I, feel like I, I feel like I made so many notes for this episode of things I wanted to touch on, and I'm honestly not sure if I got to everything. Well, if you, but...
0: if you think have anything in your notes that we've missed, please, please share.
1: <laughs> um, I did write a, I did write an article about how to write or how to remove barriers from patterns um, for digits and threads magazine a couple of years ago, um, which is a Canadian online craft magazine. And I even made a template for an accessible pattern um, as part of that. So uh, I'll put the link in the show notes, but digits and threads, if you check it out, there's lots of great information on how to get started on writing the accessible pattern. And of course, if you are a designer who wants support in doing this, you can take Renee's course or you can reach out to me and I'm happy to work with you on your pattern.
0: That's wonderful. And now that Nikki is a regular part of the show, you will be seeing her name and her links in every set of show notes. <laughs> so it'll she'll be real easy to find. Nikki, thank you. I am so very excited to have you joining me on this journey. Um, I I was really sad to be by myself, and to have you with me now is just like, yay.
1: (laughs) Yes, I'm excited about it, too. Um, We were talking a little bit before we started recording about how I, uh, I had dreams of being a podcaster previously, that uh, I never quite got around to. So I have this beautiful mic that I now get to use. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 and we look like a
0: matching set. Yes. (laughs) With our fancy microphones. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, I, I hope that you're as excited about having Nikki here as I am, because I know she's going to add so very much to the podcast. Do look forward to the future and all of the connections she's going to bring with her and all of the fun we're going to have. So have a great day. In our next episode, I had the opportunity to talk with Indy Dyer, Helene Diemer of Happy Go Nitty from New Zealand. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen, and join the conversation in our Ravelry or Facebook groups. For technical editing, find Lisa at arcticedits.com and Nikki at handknitsandhyuga.com. Can't see my monitor because the sun's no. in my eyes.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> going in the blooper rail. <laughs>